Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Happy summer. This is part six. Yeah, sure. Six. Six is good. Six of our, this is an eight part series. Jesus gives the greatest sermon ever preached. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. It takes up roughly, you know, three chapters in the very beginning of Matthew. And in the very opening lines of this incredible famous sermon, he has a poem. On happiness. It literally starts with the idea of blessed. Everybody say blessed. But it was the same word that they would have used equivalent to happy. And so Jesus opens with this. It's it's incredible to think about this. That Jesus in his manifesto says, let me help y'all be happy. You need to. I know you. You want to be happy. But Jesus actually has the blueprint for happiness. And it is so counterintuitive. and is so countercultural. And today is maybe the most counterintuitive. We would never, if I just sat down and I made you make a list of the eight things in life that would make you happy, this would never show up on your list. It might not make the top hundred. I mean, it is so bizarre, but yet there's a, there's a divine brilliance to what Jesus says. Again, if you can, you know, kind of predict your own death and resurrection and pull it off, there's got to be something incredibly divinely brilliant about everything that you have to say. And so I will just trust you, Jesus. And so with that, open up your Bibles with me, Matthew chapter five. Let's read this poem together. It's on the screen if you want to follow. Again, it requires unpacking. Please go back and watch the other messages. It has been a blast to do this. And again, we'll get it for two more weeks. But he says this. He said, blessed or how happy are the poor in spirit. Now, not poor. Sometimes poor will make you miserable, but just poor in spirit, meaning you're humble and you humbly depend on God. You'll be happier If you just humbly, if every day you started out your life with God, I am completely dependent on you. Would you please guide me through this day? It would, it would make you happier. Again, you have to unpack that. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. That was last week. That was a giant counseling session on how to make peace with sometimes difficult or crazy people for that matter or conflict in your life. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called the children of God and blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But I got to go all the way back because I skipped one. Again, I didn't plan on doing all eight, but they're just so doggone good. I had to go back. And, and, and the second blessed that he lists out is this really, really weird and odd thing where he said, blessed are those who mourn. It's as if Jesus is saying, you'll be happy if you cry. You'll be happy if you grieve. You'll be happier in life if you learn maybe the art of mourning something. Because if you learn the art of mourning, you'll actually figure out how to be comforted in life. And that somehow unlocks your future happiness. Can we pray before we begin? Bow your heads, close your eyes, let's pray. Dear God, would you please speak to us, God? Would you help us to wrestle with the words of Scripture? Would you help us to, God, maybe even wrestle with our own emotions? Maybe the things that we've experienced in our past. God, would you just... Today, God, would you please comfort some? Some of us are mourning and grieving right now. And Holy Spirit, would you be our comforter? Jesus, would you be that Prince of Peace? Lord, we ask this in your name. And we all said... Amen. So Jesus throws out this really counterintuitive idea. He goes, you'll be happy if you cry. You'll be happy if you grieve. You'll be happy if you mourn. And and everybody's like, what? So what this really does is it really dispels this myth. 
And, and maybe this kind of throws out the window your idea of what happiness even looks like. Because if your idea of happiness is, I'll always be smiling. It's like I'm on a Prozac drip and everything's just good all the time. That's not clearly what Jesus was saying when he defined happiness. That whatever happiness he is talking about is not this giddiness. It's not this lightness to life all the time. Does that make sense? It's, it's got to be something deeper than that. Because he's saying if you'll, you'll be happy if you cry and mourn and grieve. What this really does is it proves to you is this that God does not expect me to be happy all the time. That the happiness that God's referring to is somehow some deeper level of contentment and joy and peace and maybe lasting satisfaction to life. But it's not temporary, right? It's not like you come into church, you get a little Jesus juice and you're like, oh, I'm better now. And then you walk out and you're just floating on clouds until you get your next your next fix. No, it's something so much deeper than that because he's saying that there's going to be seasons of life where you're going to have to grieve or, or mourn. Now, I'm going to share something with you. I did some deep Statistical analysis and research. And what I've discovered is, is that one out of every one person dies. It's crazy. Here's what that means, as much as we laugh, with a little bit of nervous laughter, because we're not sure what's coming next. I think Todd just set me up for something. What that means is, is that every person that you love will one day die. And that will be difficult. It will be hard. It will be challenging. We know this because every one of us has experienced death in our life, but to varying degrees. It is radically different when you lose some like, you know, third cousin twice removed. And I don't even know what that means. Does that mean there was two divorces? I don't know. But you're removed somehow. But you are cut. And when that cousin dies, you go, you pay your respects, you're kind, you respect what you do, you do all that. But you're not like grieving typically for that person. But when you lose somebody close to you, there is something deeply profound that happens on the inside of you that is almost unquantifiable. And every person's experience is uniquely different. And Jesus is saying, no matter where you're at in that grieving process or whatever it is that you might be grieving for, if you'll learn how to grieve... It'll actually create something deep and profound in your life. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Grief is essential to my health. Isn't that what Jesus is ultimately saying? If you're going to find happiness and contentment and peace and joy, it's something deep. You're going to have to realize that, well, grief is essential because if everybody that you love is eventually going to die, this is an essential part of life. It is unescapable and it is unavoidable, although it is something that we would like to avoid. It is actually God's tool for getting you... So, so just recognize that this is something that, that is going on, that is going to have to happen. And, and check this out. I, I, did do, I did do a little bit of research on this. And I found that, again, everybody grieves a little bit differently. Listen to this. 60% of people that were surveyed, that were going through extreme grief, they actually dreamt and had dreams about their lost loved one. Only 7% of people mourning said that they received adequate support from others. That's less than 10%. Felt like, no, I actually got the support and the help that I need. Nearly 30% felt alone with their grief most of the time. And lastly, nearly 25% said they never went back to feeling like themselves after their loss. Another 25% said they felt normal only one or two years later. 
So grief is this really, really fascinating, dynamic thing. And and again, God is saying grief is normal. Grief is okay. Don't fight it. You learn how to embrace it. You learn how to let God use it. You dive into it because if you will learn to mourn, somehow God comforts you. Listen to this, Ecclesiastes 3, 4. There is a time for everything. There's a season for every activity under heaven. Apparently one of these activities is what? Well, there's a time to cry. There's a time to laugh, there's a time to mourn, and a time to dance, which ultimately means this. At some point in time, in our lives, we will all have to mourn. And, and let, let, me, let me help you out real quick here too. I have been fascinated, being a pastor, being heavily involved in people's lives, I'm fascinated by what all people mourn. Because a lot of times, we are quick to just say, oh, you only mourn when someone dies. And that's not entirely true. I had a man who deeply grieved over the loss of his dog. And, and again, I'm not, who am I to judge? Hey, if that hurts, if that's pain, if that creates mourning in you, let me love you and help you. Like, am, am I going to mourn when little Fido dies in my life? Nope. <laughs> I mean, like, that cat gets on my nerves. You know what I'm saying? Like, peace out. You know, all dogs go to heaven. I'll see you again. You're just not going to live with me ever again. So, but some people deeply love their pets. I find that true about Californians. I think being from South Carolina, we don't, we don't have a deep affection for our animals. I grew up on a farm, you know. I saw grandpa, you know, have to. Yeah, anyway, so. But, but you know, the loss of, a, of an animal, it can be pretty Sometimes the loss of a job. I've seen people who were so attached and connected to their work that when they got laid off or they lost their job or something, there was a deep. Well, I've seen this with breakups. With, with like, I, I had a young lady in our church not too long ago went through a, a, a very difficult breakup. And I remember hearing her and I, I tried to help her and say, hey, look, just so you know, it's okay. This will feel like a little bit of a death. It'll feel like you need to grieve a little bit. That's okay. So when you go through a divorce or a breakup or anything like that, like it's okay. Learn to mourn and figure out what that is. And in some weird, unique way, God is going to comfort you because the opposite is really painful. Like the opposite... Don't, this is the typical negative, unhealthy reactions to our grief. Number one is repression, right? Like what we do is we just unconsciously shove it away. We don't do it on purpose. We don't think about it. We just kind of shove it down. Don't think about it. Try to mute our emotions. The other one is suppression. That just means we did it on purpose, right? The difference between repression and suppression is one is I knew it and I did it on purpose. One of them is I didn't even know I did it. I didn't, I didn't even know. And so this is what people do sometimes is they just shove it down as far as they possibly can. As a matter of fact, I had a conversation probably about three weeks ago with a woman who her sister had died. And when she told me her whole life story, her whole life story was full of pain and suffering and grief and disappointment. And she said, Todd, sometimes I get so upset that I cry so hard that I have to pull over off the side of the road because I'm afraid I'll get into an accident because I cry. She said, but eventually I gather myself. And she said, Todd, I have a box. And I take all that stuff and I just shove it in a box and I say, you stop it and you move on with life. And I said, you know what? Don't do that. The next time you feel like crying, just cry. Cry until it's, have a weep-a-thon. Just go for it. Let it all out and you cry until you're done crying. But, but keep 
keep the box open. Let it all hang out. Because if you keep shoving it into a box, it could be that you never fully let it go. And so anyway, if you're taking notes, this is really good. If you don't let it out in healthy ways, eventually you will act it out in unhealthy ways. And this is the negative aspect of grief. Like this is what we do when we take our grief and we shove it so far down that we never truly find our joy and our happiness again. And so what God wants you to do again is step into this process, walk into it and walk into it with your loving heavenly father. Again, grief is a choice. You must choose to let it out. And if you do that, I'm going to walk you through. I'm going to give you a few ways that I think God will help you. That somehow, if you, are a, if you are a Christ follower, you are not alone in this. If you are walking with God, you are not alone in this. And you have that sense about you. And if you'll walk with God with your grief, if you just pick it up and say, hey, life is full of loss. Life has death. It is inevitable. But God is somehow going to walk me through this. Here's how I think he does it. Number one is this. is number one, God draws us close to himself. If you're really walking with God, when you grieve, you don't push yourself away from God. You try to draw closer to God. As a matter of fact, David said this. He said, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And he saves those whose spirits have been crushed. And so if you've ever grieved, if you've ever suffered, if you've ever had pain, you know this, that there there is a way that you can step into God's presence in such a unique way. Paul said that when you do it, you end up finding a peace that doesn't make sense. He said there's a peace that surpasses understanding. It don't make no sense. But somehow when I step into God's presence, some type of warm blanket of peace comes over me. It's possible. Listen Listen to the Apostle Paul. Our hearts ache. Everybody say but. But at the same time. We have the joy of the Lord. It is possible to have deep joy and peace and also pain and tears at the same time and God be right there in your midst. As a matter of fact, this is the quote from a famous missionary. He was a Scottish missionary who traveled to these South Pacific islands. And when he got there, three months after arriving, his wife died. And a week later, his infant son died. This is a missionary. I'm going to do God's work. I'm on God's mission. I'm doing things for the kingdom. God, you're with us. You're going to do great things. And after three weeks, your wife dies. And another week later, your infant son dies. And this is what he said. He said that those who have ever passed through any similar darkness feel for me. But for Jesus and his fellowship, I would have gone mad and died. So that's what I want you to do is draw close. There's a temptation in us many times when there is death to blame God. Which doesn't make logical sense, but in the emotion of it all, I get it. But what I want to encourage you to do is, is that there is a God of comfort and I want you to move in his direction because he is the only one that has the comfort. He is the only one that has the answers. He is the only one that has the lasting solutions. Number two is this. This is why it's because God grieves with us. This is a fascinating thought to believe that God is the creator of emotions And that you are made in his image and likeness. It's fascinating when you read the Bible, you find out God's emotional. God has these feelings. God, as a matter of fact, the Bible says that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. So grief's not lost on God. As a matter of fact, listen, this is one of the most famous stories. It's actually famous only because it has the shortest verse in all the Bible. It's just two words. It says, Jesus cried. So this is what it is, John 11. Jesus is hanging out with his closest friends, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. These are the people he had dinner with, dinner parties with, spent time with, lived in their home at times. And at some point in the future, Lazarus died. And it says, when Jesus saw Lazarus' sister sobbing and saw all those 
When he were crying also, his heart was touched and he was deeply moved. Then Jesus started crying and they all looked around and said, look, look, look how much they, that he loved him. Like to think about the son of God. Knowing outcomes, knowing what eternity looks like, knowing all things, having all power, having all knowledge. And even the son of God cries when he loses something. What does that tell you? Is that God not only wants you to cry, he wants to cry with you, he wants to grieve with you, he wants to mourn with you. God is not this distant, absent being that doesn't know what it's like. As a matter of fact, to consider that God the Father gave up his son Jesus to death so that you and I might find life. God is not distant from our suffering. Number three is this, is not only does God grieve with us, but God gives us a church, a church family for support. Like one of the best things you can have is some peeps around you. You need some people that will love you. You will have, you need people that will bring you unhealthy food, right? You need people that will just encourage you, that'll hold your hand and sit in silence and just be in your world. Like the, there's nothing better than, than having people in your life. As a matter of fact, listen to this. Paul says this about the church. This is Romans 12. Paul says, well, in Christ, we who are many... We form one body, one family, and each member belongs to all the others. So be devoted to each other like a loving family. Rejoice with those who rejoice and do what? We mourn with those who mourn. If anybody ever accomplishes anything or experiences anything great, you need to celebrate the heck out of them just because. But when somebody experiences loss or suffering or pain or death, we mourn with them. As a matter of fact, this is, this is first, uh, first Thessalonians 5.11. Paul says this, comfort each other and give each other strength. We comfort each other through this, this unique family. And this family's crazy at times. It's a little kooky at times, a little weird. You know, there's a couple weird uncles and crazy aunts. And it's, it, but in time of need, you rejoice with those who rejoice. You mourn with those who mourn. Um, as a matter of fact, you know what? C.S. Lewis said something so profound. He has a book that he wrote after the death of his wife. And he's brilliant. He wrote these words. And I thought it was just fantastic. He said, at other times, grief feels like being mildly drunk or concussed. He said, there is a sort of invisible blanket between the world and me. I find it hard to take in what anyone says or perhaps hard to want to take it in. It's so uninteresting. Yet I want the others to be about me. I dread the moments when the house is empty. If only they would talk to one another. And not to me. See, here's, here's what I think. As a matter of fact, there's an there's a, there's a old Jewish practice called sitting Shiva. Where literally for seven days, you just sit in silence. And you comfort the other person. And when they want to speak, you speak. If they want to talk about their loved one, you talk about it. And if not, you sit. You're just there. Because there's a mistake that we make. There's a couple of, of bad ideas. Uh, and, and I'll give you the bad ideas. Here's two suggestions I want to give you. When you're trying to be there for somebody else and comfort somebody else, number one is this. Never minimize someone's pain. Never, ever, ever. Never utter the words, well, at least you still have fill in the blank. I know in the moment you're trying to be helpful. It's just not. I know in the moment your intentions were good, but never ever so. Oh, you lost. Well, at least you still got your help. Well, at least you still got the other. You still got that. No, no. They've experienced deep loss. Just sit. Maybe be quiet. 
Maybe hug. Maybe put your hand on theirs. You pray for them in silence. Maybe you love them. Here's another one. Never rush people. Yeah, like, well, hey, you need to move on. It's been three months. It's time for you to move on. No, it's not. Leave them alone. Let them be. You, you know what your job is? You got one J-O-B. Love them. I don't know how long their process takes. You don't either. Because here's what I know. The closer that person was and the more meaningful that relationship was, the longer it usually takes. Depending on what kind of personality they have. Depending on what kind of closure they may or may not have had. You don't, you don't know. So you don't want to be caught in that trap of telling people, well, you need to move on. Well, you need to hurry up. Well, you need to get over it. Well, you're missing out on life. You know, like so-and-so wouldn't want that. It just, you have one job. Love them. So be careful in your comfort. Be careful in your support. The greatest way that you can support is your presence. According to C.S. Lewis, is to talk to others and not talk to them. But I, you take that for what it's worth. Just be supportive. Help people. Love people. Be encouraging to the greatest way that you can. Be helpful in the greatest way that you can. Here's another one. Number four is this. Is God uses grief to help us grow. Nobody wants to be told this while they're grieving. You wait on this one. But it's true. If you're truly grieving and you step closer to God, what you end up doing is you end up going through a period of incredible self-discovery. You end up finding out things about yourself that you had hidden away and you weren't even aware of. And you're like, wow, I didn't know. God, I didn't even know that was in my heart. Or God, why, why I feel this way? Or God, what's going on? Or, you, or sometimes you just feel closer and more connected to God. Like if you've ever been through a, a divorce or, or, or a deep breakup, you know, you, you can step closer to God. And all of a sudden you go like, oh my gosh. So God, this is, this is what it's like to love somebody that doesn't want to love you back. And your heart breaks like this all the time for humanity. And all of a sudden you feel the heart of God. To, this is the whole thing with Jesus on the cross to, to, to experience loss. This is what it was like for you to lose a child. I had no idea. And you draw closer to that and God somehow helps you grow. As a matter of fact, Romans eight twenty eight says, we know that in all things, everybody say all things. That means good things. That means painful things. In all things, God works for the good of those who, who love him. And so what we're doing is, is we're trying to like step closer to God. And in doing so, God reveals, draws out, somehow purifies sometimes. Listen to this. Sometimes it just kind of helps you prepare for your own future. Look at this. Paul says these troubles are getting us ready for an eternal glory that will make all our troubles, our current ones, seem like nothing. Things that are seen don't last forever, but things that are not seen, they're eternal. And that's why we keep focused on the things that we cannot see. So in in some ways, what God does is that God kind of prepares and sanctifies and helps and grows so that you are actually better off in this life and you are prepared even in the life to come. And so God's going to help you grow. Number five is this, is that God gives us the hope of heaven. God gives us the hope of heaven. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's what Paul was saying in First Thessalonians, that whole, that whole bit there. As a matter of fact, I usually share that at most any funeral where a Christ follower dies. And this is what it says. It says, we don't want you to be ignorant about believers who have died. We don't want you to grieve like the people who have no hope. I actually was, I, I, I've, I have a weird confession. Can I confess? I kind of enjoy doing funerals a little bit. It's an opportunity to point people to Jesus in a time where you're thinking about your own immortality. Weddings are great. I feel like an entertainer. I tell a bunch of jokes. People love it. Funerals, I tell people about Jesus and the hope that awaits for you and I in heaven. 
So in a weird way. I also enjoy just being a pastor. I enjoy being able to comfort people in their time of incredible grief. I, I just enjoy it. It's, it's the pastor part of me maybe. But God uses heaven. He goes as a Christ. See, when Jesus was talking to Mary and Martha at Lazarus' funeral, if you will, they talked to, they talked to Jesus and they're like, yeah, he's like, he's like, no, they're not dead. They're like, no, he's been in the tomb a few days. He's dead, I promise. Like, no, no, no. If you believe in me, you never die. See, the Christian experience is really not that death is some type of finale. You didn't lose them ultimately. You lost them temporarily. Death is not final. That's why, that's why Paul says, oh, death, where is your victory? And oh, hell, where is your sting? Like, Jesus busted open the tomb of death overcame death so that you and I could follow with him into eternal life. And so that's the point is that we, do we die in this world? Yes. Do we die ultimately? No. Because the Bible says that when our life is hidden with Christ, we never truly die. We just move from this place to the other. As a matter of fact, if you want to think of it, this is the way that you might want to best think of it. Is that many of us, when somebody dies, we think that they moved on to the land of the dead. No, they didn't. They moved on to the land of the living. Look around you. This is the world that is dying. You are living in the land of the dying. They are now living. And if given the opportunity, they wouldn't come back. I promise. They're not coming back. So, so they're, cause they're living in the land of the, of, of life. And look at what Revelation says. Revelation 21. As a matter of fact, if you want to read scriptures on heaven, go read out of the end of Revelation there, particularly Revelation 21 and 22. This is God will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the older things have passed away. I mean, God creates this new order. The Bible says that ultimately there's a new heaven and a new earth and God restores all things. They are moving there. They're more alive than ever. As a matter of fact, that's what D.L. Moody said. D.L. Moody, the old Chicago preacher, said this. He goes, one day you'll read the paper that I have died. Don't you believe it? Not for one a minute because I will be more alive than ever. And that is the hope of heaven. That is a hope of a life found in Christ. Lastly is this. Number six is this. Is that God uses our pain to help others. God uses our pain to help others. Um, this is what we would call redemptive pain. See, the thing that God helped you through, one day you will help somebody else through. 2 Corinthians 1 and 4 says this, that God comforts us in all of our troubles so that, everybody say so that. God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others with the same comfort that we received from God. It was several years ago now, but my dad passed away. Um, it was suddenly, it was out of nowhere, it was unexpected. Sometimes, you know, when somebody dies in your life, you, you know, it's like, well, they had this and this, and the doctors had warned us, and they'd been given a time, and this and that. And you, you somewhat begin to prepare. When my dad died, it was sudden. I remember my wife woke me up, and I'm like, what? I was, as a matter of fact, you know, those, those five stages of grief, I mean, that's real. That opening stage is, is denial. You're like, no, 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 no. And then all of a sudden, you, you know, you move into like, you know, bargaining. Well, wait a minute here. You move to anger, and then eventually you move into acceptance. And so, but when my dad died, what occurred to me was that I had never had anybody close to me die before. And that as a pastor, I was, I was poorly equipped to love and help people through that. I had done it to the best of my ability. I had done it with really great intent. I, had try, I tried my best. But all of a sudden, the next funeral I did, the next grief I helped somebody walk through, 
It was deeper. It was better. It was more compassionate. It was more empathetic. Because now I had the ability to understand what loss was really like. And so you take all of your losses. And I want you to walk with Jesus. I want you to walk into the presence of God with all your grief. I want you to cry. Don't shove that thing in a box. Let it go. Give it to God. Keep walking. Let time do its thing. But let God be a part of that process so that you heal. Because sometimes when you, when you shove it down in that box and you suppress it and repress it, you end up becoming bitter or angry. And God doesn't want you to be bitter or angry. God wants you happy. And he said, you'll be happy if you mourn. Because if you mourn, God will be able to step in and comfort you. And if you do that, you'll find something deep and meaningful and lasting. Can we pray this morning? So Lord, if there is anybody... God, that is listening right now, that is mourning, that is grieving, that is suffering loss, God, would you be their comfort? Would you comfort them in a way that doesn't even make a sense? Would your presence kind of wash over them, God? Would a warmth come over them, a love? God, would they be surrounded by great people? God, could they be surrounded by people who will love and embrace and encourage and hug and maybe sit in silence? Whatever, God, would you, would you surround them with incredible people? God, would you surround them with a great church family? God, would you stir in us all the hope of heaven? God, the hope of heaven seems to put a smile on my face. God, may it encourage us all. And God, may we take all that grief and all that pain and not let it be a waste. But God, equip us to be incredible ministers of your love and your comfort, Lord. God, that is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And if you're with me, give me a good gospel. Amen. 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 Yeah, can you give a little hand? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.